it's it's summer now and i am going on more jogs uh trying to aim for like about four times a week uh, mm-hmm. about three meals three meals about three miles each time um Jeez. although i'm not kidding that i could probably eat three meals at a time about four times a week yeah freaking love food <laughs> um <laughs> but i was getting ready this morning for my run and like I, as I was changing into my jogging clothes, I checked on this bruise that I have on my hip. And we've talked about this at work before. I don't know if we've talked about it on the podcast before, but... You just never know where they come from? You just never... <laughs> like, there's something about the bakery that, like, I just... I have bruises on, like, the lower half of my body all the time. Yeah. And this one's particularly bad. Um, I noticed it about a week ago. And there's actually still, like, a knot underneath where the bruise is. Oh. And it's, like, literally every color of the rainbow now. Oh, that's gross. <laughs> and I know, it's super nasty. And it was just so funny because um, uh, Nick was watching a comedy special, the the new John Mulaney Netflix comedy special. And he was talking about how he's not old. He's 35 years old. So he's not old, but he's getting there. And he's in this period before getting old that he calls gross <laughs> where he's he's just you know damp all the time for whatever reason and you know and so like literally as he delivers this line like i'm not old but i'm in the period where i'm gross you know and i listen to this like as i look at this bruise and i'm getting ready to go jogging and i'm like I'm you know gross. this late late 20 something overweight woman and i'm gonna be jogging by the high school and <laughs> remembering what it's like (laughs) remembering what it's like to not be you know out of shape oh my gosh that seems like so long ago I, i jog up to the high school and like school has already started class has already started at this point but there's this one girl that like i don't know if she was late or if she just had a later class she looked like a senior and she's crossing the road and she's just like staring at me. She's just not even pretending to like not look at me. She's just staring at me as I'm like flushed and red and sweaty. Oh, yeah. And she's just staring at me as she's walking perpendicular to me. And I look at her and like, she is so cool. She has blue hair that she has up in a ponytail and you can see her really slick undercut. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well... Maybe I'm at least smarter than her. Yeah. <laughs> maybe there's I'm not. <laughs> I'm not going to feel intimidated by how cool this yeah. girl is and how much cooler she is than me. And nope, like I looked at her backpack and it looked very full. And oh, yeah. I looked at the textbooks that she was carrying and it's like a physics textbook. And I'm like, oh. nope, smarter than me too. <laughs> this is great. I, I probably would have. If I noticed her staring, I probably would have been like, this is your future. <laughs> That's what I used to tell my kids. I'd, I'd say, someday this will all be yours. After, like, a particularly bad mom joke. Yeah, that was always the... Um, but speaking of bruises, I actually bruise, like, my mom. My mom will have, like, a cardboard box breathe on her, and she'll have, like, a banana yellow bruise immediately. It's crazy. And I get that, too. And it was particularly bad at the bakery because there are so many corners to knock yourself around on. Yeah, but even though I don't work there anymore, I still get I I still get bruises all the time. I don't know. I think it's It's just postpartum bruises. Oh, postpartum bakery bruises. Right. (laughs) I still my body still holds the memories of working there. (laughs) Oh well, 
Speaking of our futures, <laughs> we've actually we've here we got are. <laughs> moms here to kind of uh, tell us what we've got to look forward to. So yeah. shall we get started with the episode? <laughs> yep. Let's do Let's it. Do it. mother's episode a mother's day episode ever since we came up with the podcast ever since we were in the bakery like talking about the idea of the podcast and not really knowing if it would happen we wanted to do a mother's day episode because this podcast is about our favorite things obviously and we, I, if, love, our moms. And we love our Aww. moms and um yeah it's just it's timely um yeah, mother's, mother's day is day. When when this gets posted, Mother's Day will have already happened yeah. two days ago. So happy mm-hmm. Mother's Day two days ago, but also in the future. Right. Because... Thank you and thank you. <laughs> Where's my gift? Where's my gift? Uh, future Carmen, that sounds like a problem that Future Carmen will probably take care of. Yeah. Yeah. Present, present Audrey is worried about sound levels right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we're going to... Um, so... We acknowledge that Carmen and I already sound pretty similar, <laughs> and having our moms on this podcast is probably also going to be very confusing, since, yeah. you know, we share genetic stuff. So we're going to go ahead and introduce ourselves. Um, I am Audrey Stratton, and I have sitting next to me today my mom, Linda Peterson. I'm Carmen Thorley, and next to me is my mom, Kennedy Thorley. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we have a few questions for them today. Uh, professional interview style. Yes. No, yes. I don't know why I said that. Well, they're numbered. It's it not... seems professional. Like I guess. Maybe. Yeah. So I did take a journalism class this last semester. Maybe it's like ingrained itself in me. Yeah. In a way that I just won't be able to come back from. You're just a natural professional now. I guess. It's not what I wanted to do at all with my life, but I guess this is where I am now. <laughs> journalism so uh to start off our first question actually my mom just got back from new york right they're uh, still living there no they're no connecticut my mom just got back from new haven connecticut visiting my oldest brother his wife and their two children her grandbabies and uh, she sent me um she sent me a picture of a toe injury that she sustained. I don't know what happened. Did you run into a toy? What? Well, everyone had gone to bed. And so the lights were really dim. I was sleeping in the living room and I was walking to my bed from getting a drink of water. And I hit my little toe on my right foot on one of my grandson's uh, little Thomas, the train structures. (laughs) And my toes are, it's a war zone down there. And, and that story will come later too. I think then, it's coming now. Okay. So, you know, I it was like, oh, gee. And I didn't, I wanted to yell, but I didn't. So I kind of hobbled back into the kitchen, through the office, into the kitchen. Cause I, you know, knew they had band-aids there and I was pretty sure that I'd cut my toe. So I'm, I flip on the light and I'm up, you know, looking for band-aids and finally find them. And I look down and, and I am in a pool of blood. I mean, not just, not just drips. It shocked even me and I don't shock you. Uh -uh. It was, 
it looked like someone had murdered my foot. And, oh. and so I bring, I bring that up because our first question is embarrassing. Our first question is to ask our moms to tell embarrassing stories from both of our childhoods. And I wanted to jump the gun on this because I need to get my side of the story out before mom perverts it. <laughs> so I, I think when we were like, no, when I was, I'm going to be super, um, I'm going to be very, very aware of how many times I say like, because my mom always gives me a little slap on the wrist when I say like, and when I'm, I'm not right supposed to. And she's right here. Yeah. <laughs> um, so when I was maybe about 15 or 16, yeah, I have no idea. Here. Yeah. We were in the office and the phone rang or the doorbell rang or something. I'm not entirely sure what it was, but for some reason we raced to go answer whatever it was. And I shoved mom into the, the desk. Yeah. Our old desk. And I go and answer the phone, whatever. But then when I come back, she is, she is in so much pain on the floor and her pinky toe is at a 90 degree angle and her pinky toe has broken. And, and we had church the next day or something. Anyway, and I just remember her telling everybody that her youngest daughter broke her toe and um, it was like one of the most embarrassing days of church ever because everyone was giving me dirty looks for abusing my mother and stuff. Well, that's that's pretty much the whole story, except we were outside the office running to do something on the computer. She did shove me (laughs) and I did hit my toe on our thousand pound desk and just caught it just right. And it was, I mean, it was pointing. There was a right angle. It was, yeah. And and I still, yeah. It's still, yeah. That's the same toe that that died last week too. So it is a, it's had a rough go. My mom actually, my sister, my sister always comments on my mom's feet. My mom has really strangely beautiful feet, despite all the stuff that they've been through. (laughs) So, I mean, I think it kind of comes with, you know, experience and stuff. They're just very experienced, dainty looking feet that inside they, they've seen some stuff. It's because they're my best feature and because I'm vain about them. Yeah. Now it's kind of like portrait of Dorian Gray. Her children want to take them away from her. Yes, it's, it's now they're they're becoming a war zone because I have been vain about Yeah. Them. Oh no. Well, I mean, the implication of that is that there's a picture of your foot somewhere that's oh. just like oh, it's super out there. mangled up. And yeah, it's uh, it's out there somewhere. Not entirely sure where. It's pretty darn impressive. Probably in some Ripley's Believe It or Not or something. <laughs> With a, ca- a caption that says, "We keep seeing this toe." Yeah. <laughs> It's worse and worse. Yes. <laughs> um, what about you, Linda? I am particularly interested in some embarrassing... I mean, I'll let my mom tell if she has any other stories. That one is just the first one that came to mind when I saw these questions, and it just makes me laugh because it's just... I have no idea what came over me. I broke my mother's toe. I, <laughs> it's something I'll never be able to get over. <laughs> She's trying to comfort me now, but I know it's not. It's not sincere. <laughs> she still harbors a grudge. So I am super curious, Linda, of some embarrassing stories from Audrey's childhood. She's actually... The- as a child, maybe the most boring person that I've ever known. <laughs> it's really weird. It's almost embarrassing in and of itself. Yeah, like, a little bit. This is my child. She's dull. <laughs> I know. There's got to be something, though. But, yeah, well, when she was in a kindergarten, her teacher called me in one day, and she said, you know, we're required to tell notify parents when a child has done something inappropriate, you know, and I'm just thinking, oh, man, what? (laughs) Audrey? (laughs) Anyway, um, and 
apparently, you know, the kids were in line at, at the drinking fountain at school. And the boy in front of Audrey was the one she hit. <laughs> because apparently she had thought that he had enough water for today. <laughs> so so she, she hit him. And I'm just, you know, like I said, Audrey was so quiet and so well behaved. It, she really was just a perfect, boring child. Yeah. And then so this comes surprising. up. And, yeah. And then she told me about hitting another boy with her backpack a couple years later, which I didn't know about. And Audrey. You just never know. Yeah. I mean, sometimes the quietest ones will just kind of snap, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any? Oh, oh, yeah, I've got some. Yeah, okay. My mom's got another story for me. Well, Carmen's the youngest of three, and they're three and, what, three, four and a half years or five years. Yeah. So they're all fairly close together. But but by the time Carmen uh, came along, we sort of had things figured out a little bit, and, and I decided that I liked kids. And so, I think you know, things got a little easier. And that's great. She went, when she was about... To, she well, she didn't like to talk. She grunted a lot, and and Claire, who was you know two and a half years older, would interpret her grunts. Carmen would go, and Claire would say, "She wants a drink of water, Mom, or she wants a banana." I mean, how does she know that? And I'm Groot. I am Groot. That's a movie reference. <laughs> yes, I know that. Oh yeah. And um, so so Carmen wasn't. She wasn't very vocal but you you know i could tell she was smart because she always got what she wanted well maybe that's just manipulative <laughs> yeah, but anyway same thing <laughs> back to the story so she went through a phase when she was about two where she became a dog and <laughs> she would only bark and she would bark what she wanted she would woof, woof, woof. and claire would say she she wants a banana mom like that is just the weirdest thing and she would eat her meals on a plate off the floor yeah and so she she went through this whole dog thing and she would sit under the table and you know and I remember dog. eating cocoa puffs particularly because they looked like dog food yeah yeah cocoa puffs on her on her dish under the table she didn't do it all the time but you know a great portion of the time yeah. and and she would sit she'd crawl around I mean she was walking but she would crawl, crawl around on all fours and woof at people, bark at people, and and then eat her meals off the floor. And, I, and some things you just say, okay, that's a, that's not one of the battles. That I'm <laughs> yeah. take on, you know, I'm just hoping that it's just a phase. And and it was. It only lasted what six years? No, <laughs> it only it only lasted about you know three or four months. Yikes. And you know, and then she became Carmen again, and then she learned to talk. And, yeah, and, and then a, I started using my words. Yeah, and then it has a fantastic vocabulary but that you know that was that was a dog incident and she she also liked to eat you know corn cobs out of the garbage but yeah there's a picture of that too maybe if you could find that picture i'd love to instagram that actually uh yeah i'll I'll help you look for it yeah that kind of explains a lot doesn't it (laughs) (laughs) and now you have the woman you see today or you hear today Well, I mean, you got it out of your system, I guess. Right. Like, well, she, and I'm always... She still growls. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm interested, though, that I was so obsessed with dogs because I I was obsessed with dogs well until, like, my 
went until I was like 14 or 15 years old, I would walk the neighbor's dog when they couldn't because I wanted to be around dogs. But then some point in, in some point in college, I shifted gears and I became obsessed with cats. I don't really know. I don't really know what the deal was, but I mean, I think my most base, um, where I settle would be dogs because I mean, that's the first, that those was the were first words. Those are my first words were barks. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Not not that this has anything to do with us, but we uh, we babysat a neighbor's kid when I was in high school, and uh, because you know we were a bunch of teenagers and preteens, uh, we were very set on making sure that the first thing that this young baby could do was bark before she could even <laughs> say words. It was really important. It was so important. Yeah. And then after the barks came the evil laughs. Oh my. <laughs> I feel like a lot of babies go through the evil la- evil laugh phase. It's cuz I think they see how much joy other people get from watching them do this so or they terror. just or terror, you know. <laughs> a reaction is pretty yes. much what they're yeah. looking for, I guess. So yeah. that being said, um kids are often a lot more um perceptive than we give them credit for. And they pick up on a lot of things. So our next question for you guys, um, and if mom would, if you would start with this one, what, what did you notice either myself or, you know, my siblings do when we were growing up that you were like, wow, like kids are way smarter than we give them credit for. Well, with you, it was really easy. Mm -hmm. Um, You started doing jigsaw puzzles when you were a little over a year old. Wow. And um and we would give her we would give her a um we'd give her a little pad of stick it notes and uh, or post it notes and she would make 3D things out of them. Wow. You know, here's a submarine. Well, yep, that's a submarine, you know, and I'm talking about less than 3 years old. Yeah. But I always thought that she was really backwards. Um I I always thought she was not so bright because it took her a long time to talk. Um, it wasn't until she was like way over three that uh, she she finally started talking. And um, plus, oh my goodness, this is starting a whole, yeah, whole thing. That's, uh, that's the idea. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you know, she was, and she was super clumsy. Oh my goodness, she got was. She got, <laughs> yeah. Remember, she is super bruises. clumsy. Yeah, yeah, we just talked about bruises. Oh my word. You know, after the third time she fell down the stairs in oh. one week, I decided not to take her back to the ER because I thought I'd be reported, you know, to the police. And and um and she had all these stitches and they were all on her face. Too, you know, and she was she just has the prettiest skin, but she's got all these stitches, all these scars on her face. You know, I, I have uneven eyebrows because of it. Because yeah. one of the scars is like right, like right before where my arch begins on my left eyebrow. Oh and yeah, so, you've shown me that one before. Yeah, I have to overpluck my right eyebrow to make them even, mm-hmm. and then also fill in my left eyebrow a little bit extra. Yeah, if it was right on the arch, it would be perfect, probably, right? Yeah, but it's like right before the arch begins. Yeah, yeah. so she was very clumsy, and so I was just thinking, man, she's uh, she's just not that bright. <laughs> I mean, she she's like, you know, like a... 
I don't, idiot savant or something, you know, yeah. I was just thinking, oh, <laughs> but so she, I, I'm sort of treating her this way, which is really bad because she learned to read, you know, when before, I guess she was about four years old. And so she was reading teenager books yeah. by the time she was in first grade. Um, but I didn't give her that much credit until junior high when um, her counselor over at, at Orem Junior High School um, called me in. And she said, I wanted to talk to you about Orem, uh, about uh, Audrey's test scores. And I, you know, it's another one of those where you, your heart kind of sinks yeah. and you're like, all right, give it to me we'll, straight. We'll love her anyway. <laughs> <laughs> She'll be living with us for the rest of her life and, and work as a bagger. <laughs> so she said, I just wanted to show you these test scores because I've never seen them before. She got perfect scores on three of the like seven um, different subjects that they they had to take and i don't know what test it was oh some stupid standardized this is a standard test yeah but she said i've never even seen someone with one perfect score i believe in all all these years she said so i just wanted to tell you and tell you you know what a big deal it was and after that i kind of looked at audrey differently and and of course in retrospect man and even then, I felt so bad Aww. for for thinking, oh, she's, you know, not the brightest thing. She has a real great, some great skills in some ways, but, yeah. you know. Well, it's kind of well. interesting how you can kind of misinterpret that, too, because um, my dad, um, Kennedy's husband, kind of was the same thing. He didn't start talking until he was about three, but then when he started talking, he was talking in full sentences. And he is very, very intelligent, but it didn't really seem... Clear. Yeah, and they had him in for testing. They thought he might be deaf because he, you know, he wasn't seeing anything at all. And his mom said that when he started talking, she looked at him, he was three. She looked at him and said, well, why haven't you said anything before? And he, she said, he looked at her and said, I didn't have anything to say. (laughs) And and, and that's how he is now. He does not speak unless he has something important to say. He's kind of a quiet guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, smart kids are just, I I, I think smart kids just probably tend to be quiet. Um, They either tend to be quiet like Audrey or they bark like me, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Words just aren't, the words just aren't on the table. It's just a different language. Yeah. Well, if it makes you feel any better, Mom, I knew I was smart. Yeah, (laughs) they always do. Yeah, I think that's true. (laughs) Well, I had, can I talk about you? Yeah, go for it. You know, I don't remember any, you know, test scores or anything, but uh, Carmen started, you know, just when she was really young, uh, like at 10 months or something, putting all her toys in a row, and she would put them meaning like her blocks, you know, not big toys, but blocks down to little things. And she would put them to lar- from large to small. Sorted by color. To, yeah, yeah. She, she would sort, and, but she'd get them in a long line. And and then as, and she would do this when, when she was older, and she would say, it's, it's a parade, meaning it's a parade. 
and she would line up all her animals from Noah's Ark, and everything was in this long line in a raid. Um, so I, I don't. Maybe that falls in the other category of, of dumb of, things. Yeah, that of kids dumb do. things I, that kids I, I don't do. Know. I remember you. You told me that there was like a period of a few months where I would watch the Math Channel. Oh, oh, that's on my list. Okay. Yeah, she was about. She was about. I want. I wanted to be clear that I just didn't make raids. I had some smart yes, moments. She would. We didn't have TV on. A whole lot, mm-hmm. but I would watch some cooking shows, and uh, so this was back in the you know the very early nineties. And uh, Carmen would sit down and watch the cooking shows at two and three years old, and then I don't know how we got on. Oh, they were on a PBS channel, right? It was PBS. It was on PBS, and then after the cooking show came on one of those UVU math classes, like trigonometry or college algebra or something, and she was fascinated by those. She would sit there for an hour and watch math shows so i don't know what happened I don't it's changed she's a great cook it's yeah I'm, I'm a so great cook but math. i'm not yeah i don't know why <laughs> why some of it was retained and some of it wasn't yeah but she always had a very long attention span uh she could you know usually they say if your kid is three years old then they can have an, a span of three minutes and if they're five years old five minutes mm-hmm. but she she always had she could sit an hour and uh, watch something and be really enthralled with it. Wow. Cool. I'm cool. You are cool. Yeah. You're a little smart. <laughs> you're, a little smart. you're so smart. Yeah. Carmen, Laura you're the coolest. <laughs> so, yeah, that being said, kids are also incredibly dumb. Did you ever have a moment where you were just like, oh, yeah, kids are stupid? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had three of them. <laughs> Three but, kids or three uh, moments. Yeah, three moments yeah. seems pretty small. Yeah. <laughs> our our son was the one who had to do everything at least once. Yeah. Um, whether it was, you know, putting his hand on the burner or getting getting a rare disease or, you know, or get, or being nice to the neighbor's kid. He had to try everything once. But uh, it was our youngest, odd uh, Hannah, that, see, once you have more than one kid, you're you're forever screwed. Yeah. <laughs> you get you get all the names wrong. Yeah, you know yeah. I've actually gotten used to it. Like I just wait patiently for you and Dad to like yeah. cycle through everybody's. Yeah, Dad, like, you'll get there. Dad used to call me Clarman because he would start saying Claire and then you know <laughs> change his mind halfway through. Oh. Anyway, to clarify where my mom's going with this, I am the oldest, and uh, Hannah, who did the Mount St. Helens episode with us, she is the youngest yeah. of, of the three of us, and then I have a brother who's in the middle. Yeah, and she's she's the one that, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I would be doing something, I don't know what, and I would come out and I've, I'd find a pile of hair in the middle of all of her toys. And she, you know, she had cut off half of her hair. And she did a really good job, actually. All I had to do was even up the other side, and it looked pretty great. Um, but she did that twice, and I, it's like, oh, great. You know, if they, <laughs> thankfully, neither one was, you know, a horrible kind of thing where she got her bangs, you know, half inch long. But, uh, yeah, she was the one that... Uh, you know, when the kids got up to sing in front of everybody at church, she's the one that was yelling the words yeah. and, and picking her nose in front of everybody, you know. <laughs> it's just, 
Oh yeah, that's that's our child. <laughs> and as far as dumb things, I I'm sure you kids did dumb things, but I think until kids come into themselves, which is usually about you know twelve or thirteen or fourteen, there's just there's just kind of age appropriate stupid behavior oh yeah and it, it just kind of comes with the territory so i don't think i looked at it at the time as boy we got a dumb kid yeah it's like well therefore i guess i guess this is what they i guess do. that's where they stick their fingers you know it's, you know you just <laughs> you, you just think well that's just part that's of them part of them learning but i do remember when her just a really stupid thing her brother did he was a probably a a junior or senior, I don't know, he played football at the high school. And we had this uh, little truck that had, you know, the, the two bucket seats and then two little skinny seats right behind it. So oh. it could hold four people with seat belts. And so the rule was that he could never take more than four people because they had to have seat belts and absolutely nobody riding in the bed of the truck. Well, his dad and I were out working in the yard one night, oh, yeah. early evening, in the front yard, and this truck comes tearing around the corner and up our street and it's Dane and in the back are about five of the neighbor boys just rolling around the back because he's taken this corner like at 40 miles an hour and I looked at at his dad and I I said something to the effect with that is the stupidest thing I have ever seen him do and or like is is he so stupid to yeah. do something like that because we were really, really strict about that. And, of course, he told us he, he got in trouble for it later and had the truck taken away for a couple of weeks. But he said, yeah, I saw you just as I made the turn. And I said, and still you sped on? He said, I didn't know what else to do. <laughs> so, I mean, but, but, but again, that's an age-appropriate stupid thing to do. Yeah, yeah, um, they yeah. They get dangerous, more dangerous as they get older. But I'm, you remember any dumb stuff. I remember, I mean, this isn't so much as dumb as it is like really, really silly, but I remember, I don't know where it came from. I wasn't even a huge Star Wars fan, but biting my french fries into different sizes and calling the littlest one Dark Vader. And then if I could find the tallest fry and it was Princess Leia and then Luke. And for some reason I would just like set these fries on my table and be like, this is Dark Vader. This is Leia. This is Luke. And there was no rhyme or reason. She was, she was four. But Dark Vader was always the smallest little nibble of a fry because he was evil. And she she was four and she really liked fries. It was at Wendy's. Yeah, it was at Wendy's. And I chose to go, I chose to go to Wendy's for my birthday dinner uh, more than once. Yeah. They could go anywhere they wanted, and she chose Wendy's, which is fine with us. Uh, yeah, you're like, mm, that's not a, yeah, that's not a problem, problem, I guess. Well, that's better than Petco. <laughs> <laughs> Zing! Jeez! Linda, pulling out all the stops. <laughs> oh, that was pretty good. Um, yeah, so uh, we started recording and had to delete it, but my... Um, for other reasons, but my mom had brought up a really interesting article that she read about retro, a retro child. I'm going to just child. let you try to explain it. The, um, the next question is, you belong to the generation, and Audrey wrote these questions, by the way. They're very, very good questions. You belong to the generation of parents that started parenting when the internet wasn't widely available, television had less than 50 channels, and telephones still had to be plugged into the wall. But then all those things changed by the time your youngest grew up. Did you have to change your parenting style to keep up with technological changes? 
if it's okay, I, I just want her to kind of like talk about this because I've heard her mention it a few times with um, her with her grandbabies, with my niece and nephew, how um, Dane, my my oldest brother and his wife, were really good about keeping Jack away from screens when he was younger. And they cut down on his TV time, even though it's a really easy way to distract your child for a long time. So you can either get some cleaning done or get some freaking rest, you know. Um, But she found this article that is interesting, and it talks about some of the um, detrimental effects about um, too much screen time or... Stuff like that. Well, it's uh, it's something I saw at Facebook, then uh, shared it to my page. It's by a woman by the name of um, Anne Zachary, and she's a pediatric occupational therapist in in Tennessee, and uh, she just has this great advice for parents on raising retro toddlers. And of course, I first thought, oh, in Princess Collars and Little Mary Jane shoes. And I'm thinking retro. Yeah, see, <laughs> those would be the cool toddlers. It's, it's it's raising them with. Um, less technology and more hands-on stuff. And Linda, it's probably how, how you and I pretty much raised our kids. When, when, when I first got married and, and had kids, we really had no money. And uh, so we didn't have anything fancy. Of course, you know, back in the 80s, there wasn't a whole lot of fancy stuff and there wasn't anything digital. And, um, you know, computers were just fairly new and becoming accessible. But I, I made things out of, you know, milk cartons and egg cartons and and just spent a lot of time with my kids on the floor and we couldn't afford cable. So we didn't have, you know, we didn't have TV and um, people were just starting to own uh, video players then. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we didn't, I just didn't have much TV with my kids, but she talks about going back and, and uh, giving your kids uh, developmental activities and it doesn't mean that you are always with them all the time that children are they're most of them are natural self-entertainers <laughs> that you can put them on a floor with blocks like you know we I did with Carmen and her siblings and they will come up and, and Audrey with her post-it notes they will come up with the most fantastic things and their attention is fully on uh creating in front of them Mm -hmm. and even if there is a tv in the background and they're playing with toys they're looking at the tv and then at the toy and then at the tv and then at the toy and so they're torn between these these two things and do you think kids i mean regardless of how they're raised do you think just the fact that kids are born in a technologically like soaked world do you think that that it's different now oh I do. Even if even if parents try to even if parents try to keep them away from screens, um, yeah. Like, what's what what was your experience with that, Linda? Was it was it hard to have to like transition from a pre technological age to a technological age? Not really, because um, Audrey always preferred books over anything. Anyway, that sounds like Audrey. I'm happy. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're I am book, such a, a good mom. Family. Yeah, we're a book family too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and actually, when the only time that I remember having to limit the kids on anything was uh, when I guess Hannah was about five and Christian was seven or eight, and they they had a couple of games on the computer that they absolutely loved playing. And that was the only time that we had to limit them yeah. um, to really to anything because right. 
Otherwise, there was kids still just love to play outside. Oh, yeah. They love to do their things, you know, be with friends. Yeah. And it's kind of harder to do on a computer. Yeah. And I mean, I think I, I, I do really enjoy the benefits of computers and computer games. I remember there was a typing game that I really enjoyed and I got really good at typing because of this game. And there was a Dr. Quandry's puzzle like game that would kind of make you have to critically think of how to get through this world or solve problems or something. Um, and I think that there's a lot of I think there's a lot of benefits to some educational computer games and maybe even non-educational computer games. I just, you know, for a small amount of free time. Um, but yeah, it's, it doesn't quite have the same, it doesn't have the same effect that reading or creating something on your own would have for a child. Right. Well, you see some really odd things now um, with little children where you give them a book or a magazine and they try to swipe the screen on the book. I've you seen know? that and yeah. it kind of bums me out. But I mean, yeah. how could you really blame them if really the if the only things they have are iPads? One one thing that I've that I've noticed uh, in in my my extended family is that um, kids sit in front of iPads for breakfast. Yeah, and watch movies for breakfast or they don't sit and have a meal with their family. They're, you know, they're up at the counter and facing all of them facing the refrigerator. And I think I, you know, a couple of things that I really bore into my children was I'm kind of a grammar Nazi yeah. and I'm a manners Nazi. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I will still tell them at the dinner table, they're sitting across, take your elbow off the table yeah. or you use lie, not lay. You know, yeah. lay takes an object. <laughs> yeah. And you know, so I'm always I'm always doing that. But I think so much social knowledge comes through sitting, sitting across from people and having conversations with them. And I think probably our best times as a family were, we're around the dinner table. Around the dinner table. Yeah, we at some always point. had a dictionary. At yeah, the at some table. point dad would always get up and grab the dictionary and we'd learn about weird words or we'd learn Italian words. Like the skika is Italian for bladder. I'll never forget that. <laughs> because one dinner table I I can't remember, Dane called Claire of a skika and none of us knew what it was and we had to look it up. But, it was... <laughs> but, but but we played we played dictionary and word games. I mean yeah. we played word games at the table and all the kids have a really fantastic vocabulary. But and even now we have there's no technology at the table. The TV is never on, mm -hmm. and we have good family time. And I think uh, I think that's kind of being lost now. Yeah, and it's hard for me to make judgments because I'm not a mother and I don't know what it's like. And I know that it's it's really hard to find some time for yourself and to have your kid distracted for more than fifteen or twenty minutes at a time has got to be a really big gift. Um, so I I have no idea. I, honestly, if I was in the situation, I. I would be really tempted to distract them as well. But like you said, I think there's a lot of value in actual social communication. Right. And with... I think I think TV has its place, and Carmen loved TV. Yeah. She loved TV. SpongeBob. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> SpongeBob, and you loved Blue's Clues, and you liked Aristocats. Yeah. Loved Aristocats. <laughs> and so... So I, I, I'm not against it, but we didn't have it on, you know, 12 hours a day. Right. I, and I think it's great. And when I was with my grandkids, that uh, my son and his wife took a trip from Connecticut down to do New York for about three days. And I had the kids and they had a list of things for me 
to do, you know, things that were short by or things that close by or things that took, you know, we get in the car and take this, but little museums and things. And Dane says, and if all else fails, just put on one of the PBS TV shows. So mm -hmm. we watched the Mr. Rogers Neighborhood, oh. which my grandson loved. Yeah. And so we did do some TV time and, and it, it has was great place. because I needed a break. Yeah, it has its place for <laughs> it sure. It does have its place. And there's, there's a couple of strong uh, impressions, strong memories that I have from my childhood, you know, growing up in my childhood homes. And um, one of the things that has always stuck out to me and, and one thing that I'm going to try and carry on into my future home when I have kids is mom never put our movies in the living room. Wow. Um, the movies have always been stored in somebody's bedroom. And so if you wanted to watch a movie... You had to go into somebody's bedroom to get it. Yeah, you had to go out of your but way we a little did, bit. Yeah, but we did have in our home in Las Vegas, I think we had about four bookshelves just completely full yeah. in the living room. And so those were readily available. Yeah. And, you know, whether that was intentional or not, that did leave a very strong impression on me that, like, this is what we need to be looking at. This is what we need to be thinking of when it comes to entertainment. And, you know, we... I mean, mom loves movies. Mom probably has hundreds. I mean, definitely has hundreds of movies. I'm not a... I, I could actually count all the books I've read. <laughs> I, am, I am not a, a book reader. Yeah, no, and, and mom's always made that very clear to us that she just doesn't enjoy reading as much as like my dad does or as much as I did, but she always supported us. The and fact that it was encouraged. Was, yeah. Yeah. She was always encouraging us. Mom bought me several books that she was just like, Oh, I saw this and I thought of you. I thought you'd really like this. And that was what she bought for me instead of toys after right. a certain age. <laughs> yeah. Lincoln's, my husband's dream house would be something where the the walls are just absolutely are lined, with, lined book with bookcases. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that and sounds. Actually, like, yeah. he always had enough to do that. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. find it hard to part with my books too because that's actually kind of my plan too is to have a house big enough where I can just have a library room that just has really really high ceilings and it's all just stacked to the nines with books. Yeah, and a good place to read. Yeah, yeah, we have a basement that's kind of like that. Yeah. And the comfy chair. Yep, and the squashy chairs, the fireplace, yeah. yeah. We're going to take a, a slight turn towards a little bit less insightful and a little bit more lighthearted. <laughs> One of the questions that I want to know is, who are your top three to five favorite mothers? And they can be real or fictional or historical or alive or dead. And I kind of have a list, and Carmen, if you've been thinking about this, you can share too, but... Mm -hmm. As mothers and people who have experienced motherhood, I am really interested in your perspective. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, um, I last night I I was kind of stumped on this, and I asked my husband, um, you know, who's a really great mom, <laughs> and he said, he said Worcester's mom, and I'm thinking. <laughs> Jeeves and Worcester? And he said, yeah, Worcester's mom, but but you never see him. I mean, you never see her. And he's like, yeah, but look who, who she raised. You know? <laughs> that's actually kind of that's, sweet. Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> and I'm sure we're going to have a lot of listeners that have no idea what we're talking about. Yeah, here. including myself, honestly. <laughs> so, Jeeves and Worcester is um, a series of novels written by uh, P.G. Woodhouse. He's a oh, British author. I love author. him. I yeah, love him, and... yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he wrote a series of books about uh, a kind of upper-class doofus in his young 20s named uh, Bertram Worcester. Um, but because he's a doofus, he and his friends have stupid nicknames for each other. So his name is Bertie. Bertie Worcester. And uh, he gets a butler, a valet. A, a gentleman's named, gentleman. A gentleman's gentleman named Jeeves. And the television series is really, really great. It has Hugh Laurie as uh, Worcester. Uh. And Stephen Fry as Jeeves, oh, wow. and it's it's just so good. Jeeves manages <laughs> so noted. Jeeves manages to keep Worcester from killing himself or marrying every other person in his life. <laughs> because as an aristocrat, you're like an that, idiot. That is his, <laughs> you know, ultimate goal. Yeah. At least in his family's mind, is that he needs to marry yeah, he needs an to aristocratic marry woman. And so most of the plots have to do with who's going to marry who and who broke off their engagement with who. And ah, excellent. <laughs> it's 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 very satirical. All of the aristocrats are idiots, and it's really great watching you know wealthy people dealing with their made up problems in <laughs> like just the stupidest way possible. So yes, uh, that but that's not my favorite mom. <laughs> that's well, who, who is that's your Lincoln. favorite? Well, my favorite mom is sort of actually a grandmother, but it's the grandmother from the triplets of Belleville. Oh, yeah. Um, she looks a lot like me. <laughs> she She's short and fat with glasses, and she has a really short, one leg is really short, so she wears a shoe that's, you know, has a... Compensates for it. It's like a whole foot long, you know. Um, but she um, she takes in her grandson... When he loses his parents, and she does everything that she can to find what's what interests him, and it turns out to be cycling. And she spends her life and every waking hour helping him with his cycling. And in the end, she actually has to go around the world to find him um, and save him from some bad guys. Uh, and anyway, she's she never says a word. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just, almost a completely silent yeah. movie. It's a it's a French animated film. Ah, I think we stumbled upon it because it was like nominated for best animated film one and year and the something. song. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but it's and you know you have to think so because it is animated. Like she does look very very cartoonish. Like not only does she wear glasses, but they're like the thick like. <laughs> They're the thick glasses that make her eyes look super big. Yeah. Super big. <laughs> That's awesome. And um, and then my my second favorite mother is Dolores Claiborne from the the Stephen King book of the same name. Yeah, yeah. Mom's um, a Stephen King fan. Yeah. That's uh, she. She just really impressed me, and I thought that's my kind of woman. Yeah. And. Probably in real life, my great aunt Carol, Audrey's middle name is after my great aunt Carol. She's um, she is a tremendously wonderful person with a big heart, and so kind. And 
the the greatest Christian Christian I've ever seen. I think um, her favorite thing is just being good to people. <laughs> I love those people. Yeah, yeah, good people. Hi, Mom. That would be my list. <laughs> what do you, What do you think? What Who are some of your favorite? Books? Okay, I, the first one that that came to mind actually, and I have not read this book in years and years, was um, Little Women, Marmy, hmm. in Little Women, and she's raising these these strong daughters. There's Meg and Joe and Amy. I think they're just the three of them. And Beth. Beth. I, guess I hate that I know that because I really dislike that book <laughs> yeah. a lot, actually. And, <laughs> And and these these daughters were so diverse, and yet Marmy supported them in everything they did, and they went to her with their joys and their their heartbreak, and it was kind of the idyllic situation, and you know every word was a kind word, and then, yeah. you know like, so maybe it's not realistic, but I think there that was a great yeah that was a great mom who was just supportive of you know didn't pigeonhole her daughters and and try to make them all you know be. Yeah. The same. Also, um, the the mom in ET. <laughs> That's awesome. I know. I just once she finally figured it out, you know, she she was like, "Yep, we're gonna get her done." Yeah. Anyway, um, my mom always, my sister and I always joked that my mom always reminded both of us of the mom from Lizzie McGuire. Like, I mean. I know you listeners don't know what my mom looks like, but if you ever watched Lizzie McGuire, that's what my mom looks like. Yeah, and 30 years ago. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> but like the whole, the cat eye glasses and, you know, the, the hair and the, yeah, the flippy hairdos and the snarky comments and the, that's me on top of everything. Yeah. That's, that's one of my favorite moms because it always reminded me I of my mom. because I love you. Yeah. Yeah. I interrupted you. Who else do you, do you have? You know, that was, that was about it. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> That's Audrey, what about you? Um, who are your favorite moms? So, um, first on my list, because I when I came up with the question, I didn't really think it through very well, but um, <laughs> actually what was like historical moms, like I've got to know of at least one historical mom. Mm-hmm. And so the one that came to mind was Sacagawea. Huh? And oh. I don't, I don't. She know. was a super mom. She super. was a super mom. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I don't know how much of her story has become kind of a, an American myth. Yeah. Right. And I don't know how much of it is real. But, I mean, we do know that she carried around her infant while leading these two white men. And, like, the patience that she must have had with these two white men oh, must yeah. have been tremendous. Because, like, if you think about it in modern context, like... If I had to lead a couple of men just, like, you know, through the Wasatch Front, you know, keeping it kind of on a smaller scale, if I had to lead them through the Wasatch Front, I cannot imagine how little time would pass before I was just done with them. Right. Just completely done with them. (laughs) Just like, no, no, you get to take care. And so not only did she do that, but she was taking care of her child at the same time. And that's a, like, measure of strength that I just, like, you have to admire. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, where did, where did she pull that from? Like, how yeah. did she find that sort of strength? Yeah, it's really, really impressive. Yeah. Um, for fictional moms, I really like, and I like both parents, but, you know, the mom also, uh, since we're spotlighting them, from EZA. 
Oh my I gosh. Really... Yeah. You haven't seen that. It's pretty. They're so great. They're just so warm and loving and accepting. Yeah. I love that you brought her up. And like, they're so funny too. And like, they're very, they don't try to be like corny funny. They know what is genuinely funny. And I think that's what I like the most mm-hmm. about them is that like, you know, when she's trying to make her daughter cringe, like, she knows exactly what buttons to press oh, yeah. to make her daughter cringe. Yep. And, and you know, when their adopted son is like, well, I'm adopted. And, you know, both of the parents, like, get so aggravated. Who told, told you that? <laughs> oh, it's pretty funny. And so I like them. Um, and then... I mean, this is kind of the obvious one, but I do love my own mommy. Well, yeah. <laughs> and I, I actually, I have a story that happened to me just on Saturday that made me think of the very extremely positive influence that my mom has had on me. I was getting ready to leave my apartment and uh, meet up with my husband. Um, I had just come home from a... Uh, dance performance that my sister was in and and I was meeting up with my husband and uh, right as I'm about to get into the car I hear this massive crash behind me and I've had one other um, car crash happen on my road before and so I knew what it sounded like by then so I was like just immediately and oh my gosh like somebody got hurt somebody's in trouble and I turn around and I see this man laying, um, thankfully not in the road, but on the side of the road, um, on, on the lawn of the church building that is, uh, across from my apartment. And he's got a motorized scooter that's almost on its side and just like, it's not a good situation. And I ran right over and, um, I, I did my best to help him out and, um, I stayed with him until he got, like, his fiance got him into the car. Um, but rather than standing there and panicking and saying, what do I do? Like, and asking, okay, you know, are you okay over and over again? Um, like, I've just had this incredibly positive influence from my mom um, for keeping cool in situations like that. Like, yeah. it is more important to focus on what has to be done to make sure people are okay, then let your stupid brain just freeze up. Yeah. And so, like, I made sure that he was laying on his back and that his feet were up so he didn't go into shock. And and I wonder if there's a point where when you become a mom, like, you, there's some sort of shift of priorities And because I mean, I would have panicked in a situation like that, too. But if I had if I had my children with me or if I had experience with taking care of like stressful situations, I wonder if it would have come naturally for me to do what your mom did and just kind of say, "Okay, this is what needs to happen. You do this. You take care of that. I wonder if it's I don't know. It probably isn't. It probably isn't like a sudden change or anything. It probably is a learning. Yeah, Yeah. that's really impressive, though. Yeah, and, and I think a lot of it also has to do with the fact that I am the oldest, and so I've seen my mom do a lot of first aid on my younger siblings. Yeah. Like, I've seen her get my stupid brother his airway clear after he swallowed a rock when he was a toddler. Stupid like, brother. My, I mean, to be fair, he was like, what, 
a oh, year and a half or something. Yeah. That's not an excuse. Yeah. <laughs> and he just straight up swallowed a rock and there's my mom and she just like Takes looking care back of it. on it, I can rem- like I can see now what was panic then, but mostly my memory of that is just her turning my brother upside down on his stomach and just giving him a couple of hard pats on the back. Mm-hmm. I mean when that I was... saw how big it was, that's when I got scared. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it was really big. <laughs> but, you know, that's one of the and reasons then, why my mommy is one yeah, of my favorite Yeah, our youngest has caused the most problems that way. I've had to use... <laughs> now, the youngest are always Everything the I have, yeah. <laughs> um, well, what about you, Carmen? So, yeah, I mentioned the Lizzie McGuire mom, and I'd like to plug in um, Linda from Bob's Burgers... And I have you seen that? No. Okay, I keep trying to get my mom to watch this show because I don't think she realizes that I'm her. That you're her. And I don't think it's a coincidence that my favorite cartoon moms or favorite fictional moms are pretty much my mom, like the Lizzie McGuire mom and Linda. Linda makes puns all the time. She sings opera bad badly all the time and embarrasses her children all the time and really is just so funny and just so loving and accepting yeah so linda has got to be one of my favorites um yeah and she reminds me so much of my mom um i would also like to say my sister-in-law Brittany. um i i've had an opportunity to spend some time with her while i was in new york staying there for about a week or so and the way the way that she talks to her children is it's it's as if they're not children it's as if they're like little people that can understand so much more than we give them credit for you know she talks to them rationally and explains things to them and you know she she disciplines them properly and she is goofy with them whenever she can be and i mean she is such a powerful woman too she's so incredibly intelligent and has so much experience under her belt. And she really, I mean, just one more thing on the list is that she's just an incredible mother. And I think her children really, really, really love her. Um, she had she, um, Sloan. How old is Sloan? 15 months. Yeah. I haven't seen her with Sloan a lot, but I see her, I've seen her with Jack and the way that she treats him is just the sweetest thing. They're just such good buds. And I remember um, when I was in New York with uh, some friends, I came back late. My phone died. I was lost on the subway. I was walking around Harlem for like two hours trying to find my way home. And I was panicking. And I eventually I eventually found my way home um, to their apartment, came inside and started crying on my little blow up bed. And it was like three in the morning or something. And Britt comes in and just... I mean, of course she's exhausted because, you know, they had at that point probably a one and a half year old child that was keeping them up as well. But she stayed with me for about 20 minutes, 30 minutes, just comforting me and letting me know that I was okay and I was safe now and holding me. And it was just the sweetest thing. And I think, yeah, I think she's got to make it on the list for me. Um, not including my own mom who is sitting here right next to me. Um, she She's poking me, but I'm about to cry. Um, she, right here in front of me, I have some of her poetry that she's pulled up um, and something that my, something that I am forever grateful for my mom and dad doing. Um, they're both, they're both unsung poets. They, my mom's recently been, you know, dabbling with the idea of publishing some of her children's poetry because it's just so gosh darn cute. But something that I am so grateful for my parents for is encouraging me to write because I don't think I would have, 
I don't think I would have explored the idea of poetry, which is hard to begin with. It's hard to, for some reason, it's, it's just different than normal writing, but I don't think I would have been as comfortable expressing myself through poetry if I didn't know that my parents also did that. And, you know, they would have been really supportive of that. Um, so if it's okay, can she read like, they're, they're short children's poems. Can she read like one or two of them? Yeah. Okay. Well, these, what, what I did was, you know, kids do, they do funny things, just normal kid things. And, and I guess I was in a creative phase of my life in, in the nineties. I'm kind of dried up. I'm like a prune poet now. <laughs> <laughs> but I, in, in the nineties, I, I think I hit my peak. So this was this, I wrote this for Carmen and this is called the gardener. We used to have um, a tiered garden out in our backyard and we had to work really hard because it was very weed infested all the time. We lived by a horse pasture. So we always had a lot of weeds. So this was, this was for Carmen called the gardener. I did my mom a favor and she didn't have to ask. I looked the whole house over just to find the perfect task. I finally chose the garden. That's the place she likes the best. And I started pulling out the weeds and leaving all the rest. At last, I had a giant pile of weeds of every kind. They grew in long, straight, even rows. They weren't too hard to find. <laughs> I hollered for my mom to come as I scraped off my boots. I think she'll like the feathery ones with funny orange roots. <laughs> That's my favorite one. Yeah. So she, she, she pulled up all the baby carrots. But, you know, we sat out in the garden and ate them all. So. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> and um, the, uh, the other one about Carmen. The wrong feet is pretty cute. Okay, yeah. this, this is about Carmen and her brother. So she was, she was learning, you know, getting her, learning how to tie her shoes, getting her shoes on. It's called wrong feet. Your shoes are on the wrong feet, or so my brother said as if I didn't have a brain inside my little head. But even though he's older and he knows an awful lot, I know now that I'm smarter because they're the only feet I've got. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so cute. And they're so Carmen fun. Mentioned, Carmen mentioned that you're going to get them illustrated. Yeah, I'm looking, and, I'm and looking for an illustrator, and I just bought a book. Uh, I believe a, a lot of your stuff. A Complete yeah. Idiot's Guide to Publishing Children's Books. <laughs> so that's my that's the next book on because there's more. I thought oh, I'll just have someone draw pictures. And no, there's more to it. it. What yeah. format? Yeah. What's a format? Yeah. I mean, it's like I. So anyway, I'm I'm an idiot. <laughs> this. I just want the books want for you then. <laughs> yes, I found the right book. So I'm dabbling in that. <laughs> Our next question is: How is being a grandparent different than being a parent? Um, because I know that grandparents tend to just, I mean, I won't say parents don't dote on their children, but grandparents seem to like, you know, up it like tenfold. And um, so, I mean, what is, Linda, we'll start with you. What is your, what is the difference between being a grandparent and a parent? And how old are your grandkids? Uh, we just have a grandson, Nixon, who's mm -hmm. a year and a half. I think Kennedy mentioned it earlier that um, you just learn learn to pick and choose your battles. And, uh, you know, by the time you're a grandparent, you're really good at it. <laughs> yeah. But you, you see what, you know, things that can be overlooked and that um, I, I think that you're not as as careful with your grandchildren as you are, as you were with your children, just because you know better. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. 
Yeah, you don't freak out over, you know, little bumps or scrapes or anything like yeah, that. Plus yeah, plus you're you're too old and tired to fret about things. <laughs> yeah, you can't you can't run anymore. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't come to me. Come to me. That's fair. Um, how often do you get to see Nixon? Um, one or two times a week. Wow. The, his nice. his parents are really good at letting us babysit him. Oh, that is so, so nice. It has been great and Except that last night I introduced him to Coke. Oh, um, they had, man. He had the hiccups really, really bad. And so I thought, well, I'll give him a couple sips of Coke, you know, to take him away. And they di- it did. But his first sip he really hated. And, um, and then he kind of reached for it for the second sip. And when I took it away, he started his play crying yeah <laughs> you know, like oh it's fuss, yeah you know and it's like yeah that's not gonna fool me man yeah <laughs> your hiccups are gone and so is the coke <laughs> yeah those yeah that soda i don't remember when i was introduced to soda but i remember how obsessed i was with sprite at least mm-hmm. but it's interesting sprite always gave me hiccups instead of curing them <laughs> <laughs> uh kennedy what about you you have multiple grandchildren right well i have two they belong to Dane. jack is three and a half and sloan is 15 months and and i try to see them about every four months they've been back east for the last six years but they're moving to vegas yes they're moving to vegas so that's that's a five-hour drive and a an hour airplane flight, so I'm I'm very excited. Yeah. But the interesting thing is, when before I had grandchildren, I heard parents were just my friends are saying, "Oh, it's just the most amazing thing. It's just so wonderful." You, oh, it's just and and I the only thing I could re- relate it to was the emperor's new clothes. That <laughs> you almost had to say that. Because, you know, even though everybody knew the emperor was naked, you couldn't say the emperor was naked. You had to compliment him on his clothes. And I thought, that's just a ruse. You know, you just have to say that until I got grandkids. And then it was like something changed in me. And I don't know that I've really been able to, to pinpoint that. But I think what it is, is that you see in your children their ability to become and create these great people yeah. and it's like a, you know i'm going to break into the circle of life <laughs> but that's what it is yeah. and that's the only thing i can relate it to it's like this continuous circle of love and this familial love that just keeps going and going generationally and i think that's what the difference is yeah. it's something changed in me when I had grandkids. I think I became nicer. I certainly uh-huh. became more generous. You know, I'm not, yeah. I'm not a tight one. No, anymore. you certainly <laughs> spoil them just the right amount, I think. Yes. And, uh, but, but I think you're right too, Linda. We're just better at what we do and we're better at how we think about what we do. And, uh, but it sure is great being, being a grandparent. But yeah. I also love being a parent too yeah and I I understand what you're saying it is interesting to see like your babies that you like raised having babies of their own and how much of a testament that is to a job well done pretty much you know and I think it's probably a huge payoff to see your children successfully raising their own children yeah yeah it really is it's super satisfying you know first of all to see your children being on their own and being responsible and hard workers, you know, things that you always hoped for them. 
and um, and then having their own families and uh, you know and seeing that they're terrific parents too you know it just it's it's kind of the whole package your your dream for your whole life you yeah. know and I think Linda I don't know maybe you see it this way too but I, I I look at my son and my daughter-in-law and I'll look at my daughters and their husbands and children the same way that it really is a very selfless thing to have children and and I look at how unselfish um my son and his his wife are with their children I think hey well I was the same way yeah good on me yeah (laughs) where's my gift yeah (laughs) but I think that's too you see your children becoming the best version of I don't know I you know I thought that having two kids was plenty (laughs) (laughs) then then we had Hannah yeah, and I was yeah. like, all right. <laughs> you know, that's kind of but, how we were with Carmen. It's like we had a healthy boy and a healthy girl, and I thought, no, I just I gotta have a third one. And we got Carmen, and she's she's been an interesting yeah. joy. Yeah, well, it's <laughs> that's nice. <laughs> well, and you know, I don't I don't know what Mom's about to say about Hannah, but I'm going to interject here and and get this in before she can say anything. Hannah's everybody's favorite. So, <laughs> like, <laughs> saved, saved the best for last. Yeah, yeah. well, that's not true. <laughs> it's totally true. It's totally true. <laughs> Hannah thinks it's true. <laughs> We're going to sit here arguing about this forever. But, yeah. Hannah's the golden child. Okay. So, um, I do have a... Uh, gift for you guys uh and and it's a little musical gift i'm gonna play it as we do our outro we're going to yeah uh talk about our normal outro stuff um but one of the uh i guess hallmarks of mother's day one of the traditions is that every mother's day all of the little kids in church go up front and sing some Mother's Day songs. And I know that, at least for my mom, the favorite is Mother, I Love You. And I have some good news for you, Mom. Um, The church website has an application where you can change the key and the tempo of the song to make it better. (laughs) So so I... Changed the tempo from about 125 to 70, and I changed the key from G flat major to D major. I I, I listened to just <laughs> sounds like a dirge. I know it, does. it sounds like. A- Audrey showed this to me at lunch and she was just cracking up because she's like, oh yeah, I have something to play for, you know, and I, I, I don't know, I was expecting something like, oh, this will be fun and she's playing it and I'm just like, what is going on? And she's just trying to hold back laughs because it's just, it sounds so miserable. Okay, I'm the primary chorister, so I'm leading all those kids singing this in church. Do you ever play it this slow though? Oh heavens, no. Do you remember? <laughs> do you remember some? I don't. Sometimes she has um, 
I remember some hymns being played so much slower than they should have been, and they just would like drag and drag. Wow. I, I play everything higher than the highest recommended speed. Well, yeah, because at, by the end of it, you're going to have slowed down at least like 10 or 15 beats yeah. because everyone's trying to keep up. And yeah, Audrey, okay. that was pretty miserable. Boy, that was painful. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day. Just you such a, thank you. Such a kick out of it. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for joining us on this special Mother's Day episode. Um, as usual, you can find us on Twitter at Kittens and Kanye. And Instagram at Kitten Whiskers and Kanye. And I don't know what Mother's Day stuff we'll post for the next couple of weeks, but I'm sure we'll find something. Maybe we'll do our favorite clips from fictional mothers. Yeah, we I think can, that would be a good way of We could do that. that. And I would like to, um, if you, Linda, if you have any pictures of Audrey with her scars or like any sort of pictures that relate to the stories that you told today, I would love those. I'll post those for sure. I want to post some of the ones that we talked about too. <laughs> so until next time, I'm Audrey Stratton. I'm Linda Peterson. I'm Carmen Thorley. Kennedy Thorley. And this has been Kitten Whiskers and Kanye. And I had a massive lunch with Audrey, so I'm probably not going to be eating anything. I'm probably going <laughs> to go fall into a food coma. <laughs> 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 <laughs>